Well, good morning. Good to see you today. I'm excited. Aren't you excited to be uh, here tonight for a night of worship with Kim Walker-Smith? Uh, what a blessing. What a blessing uh, she's been in this house and uh, uh, to us as, uh, as a family. Um, so I got some good news. Uh, one of our external board members who helped start the church with us, Sean McDougall and his wife, Melissa, um, they actually had twin babies this weekend. Now, that, isn't that a great story? Now, Sean is an identical twin, and they just had twins. And it got me thinking about it because what's really interesting, when we started the church, they had one child that they adopted because she couldn't get pregnant. And so we put a prayer request in our prayer wall, and lo and behold, she got pregnant. And she kept getting pregnant, and now they have six children. And that's in six years. So I talked to him this weekend. He said, please, please, take that prayer request out of the wall. This is getting ridiculous. And I said, no, I just really feel like God wants you to have a dozen. I don't know why, just, and in my heart, so everybody pray hard. We want a dozen children coming to the McDougal household. Amen? But as we think about, uh, we're in this series called Reality, and we're talking about things that we think are true, because we operate sometimes on a natural, physical level, and we don't think about, well, is that true? And we, we test things by the five senses that God gave us, and, and we evaluate truth on that. But God wants us to understand something about the wisdom, not just of the earth, because there is some great wisdom to be found and acquired, but the wisdom of God. Now, when we think about those twins, I want you to go back and think about this. When identical twins are born, they have the same DNA. And that makes it a really interesting thing when you begin to, to think about, well, how does that work? They've got the same DNA. But there's one thing that identical twins don't have in common, and that's their fingerprint. Even though the DNA is the same, their fingerprint is unique. You know, there's a lot of ways you can change your life. You can change your life by getting married. You can change your life by having children. You can change your name, whether you're married or not married. You can even try to change your gender, but the bottom line truth on everything else is there's one thing that doesn't change, and that's your eternal soul. And I believe that your fingerprint, not only is it a physical phenomena, but it is also a spiritual phenomena because it traces itself back to your eternal soul. And when you begin to think about that concept, that God made you unique and he made you unique for a reason, and that he wove something into your system so fascinating, so brilliant, that if you could get the right information into that eternal soul, that it could literally change every aspect of your life. And that's not just a phrase that's just blowing smoke. It's a reality. Because you see, as you begin to dig down into it, the Bible is an amazing, and amazing book because it gives us the wisdom of God. I've been reading a, a couple of different books by Rabbi uh, Lapin, and one quote came to me uh, in this book, and it goes like this. The more that things change, everything changes, right? You can't stop change in your life. There are whole groups of people like Mennonites who say, we're going to stop change. We're going we're to pick the period of time we think was ideal, and we're going to live in that, in that era, right? But you can't stop the change that comes. But he says, the more that things change, the more that we must depend upon those things that never change. 
You see, God doesn't change. God says, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord. I change not. Change is a creature word. God never changes. Another quote. You can best attract that which you best understand. You can best attract that which you best understand. When you understand wisdom, you will attract wisdom. When wisdom becomes some foggy, I don't know what that is kind of thing in your life, you don't attract wisdom and you can't give wisdom. You're living in a bankrupt situation where you say, I wish I knew what to do. Have you ever had that moment where you go, I don't even know what to do? That's the wrong question. You should never ask that question. You should say, God, what would wisdom dictate in this situation? Because your, your frustration is a frustration that says, in all of my accumulated years of learning and understanding and gaining wisdom, I don't know how to sit, face this situation unless I have your power and your wisdom. The Bible says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it freely and without reproach. That is, he's not, he's not going to take and say, I'm only going to give you wisdom if you ask, but I'm not going to give you wisdom if you ask. No, he says, I'm going to give you wisdom if you lack wisdom. And I think all of us would, would, would be humble enough to say, right, I lack wisdom. I need more wisdom from God. Now, let me just walk you through this thought. God does not change. God does not change. True wisdom is from God. Therefore, true wisdom does not change. So God's word is eternal. The Bible says, thy word, O Lord, is fixed and eternal. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Do you realize that the word of God will be as applicable in heaven as it is here on earth? The difference is you will see it and understand it as he sees it and he understands it. The Bible says we will know as we have been known. The Bible says we're going to see with a new clarity into life, into people, and, and, and it's amazing how many earthly thoughts we want to take in, in, into heaven. Well, I just, do you think we're going to know when we get to heaven? Well, what does the Bible say? Why speculate? Look to the Word of God. It has all the answers. So here's the here's first thought I want to put in your mind. The Bible is a blueprint for successful living here on planet Earth. It is a blueprint. You take that Bible, you look at it, and it will guide you into truth. A couple of weeks ago, I right after the 9 o'clock service, there was a couple of young girls, and they came up, and this girl said, I really like to believe what, what you're teaching, but, and then she had a couple of but situations, you know, but what about this, what about that? And I said, let me ask you something. Have you ever been to church before? She said, no. I said, okay. Have you ever read the Bible before? She said, no. I said, then where are you getting your information that you have, I would believe in God, but if you've never been introduced to the person, read his book, or know the author? You see, what we have to do is we have to step back and go, why is the Bible there? Well, yeah, but it was written so many years ago. That does not invalidate it. In fact, what that does is it substantiates it because it's been tested through all generations and all these years and found to be true in every situation. So it's a blueprint. Let me take you to the Bible and show you what it has to say about this matter of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. He, that is God, holds success in store for the upright. 
Now, I want you just to pause and not read too fast. I want you just to think about what he just said. He said he holds success in store. We go to the store because they have reserves. They have inventory. You go in the store and you say, I want to I buy my groceries today. And you go to the store expecting they're going to have groceries on the shelf. And you go in there and you just confidently take it off the shelf. You take it home and you enjoy it. God says, what I do is I take, I take success and I put it in my storehouse. If you want it, you've got to go to the storehouse and get it. You've got to reach on the shelf and say, I want that success. I want that wisdom. I want that which you have to offer. He says, I hold it there until you come and get it. I don't just start dumping it out on people randomly. Oh, look at that guy. He randomly got success. Do you realize that there are principles of success in the Word of God that will work for you even if you don't know God? It's amazing because God created certain things that are true, like generosity. Generosity is something that will work for a person whether they know God or don't know God. It will always come back because it's a spiritual principle. It's a law that comes back to you. Now, let's go on and read the rest of this verse. He is a shield to those who walk blameless. Now, when we think about a shield, what comes to your mind is probably, you know, some knight, you know, some Roman soldier, and he's got a shield in front of him. But the Bible says, Thou, Lord, art a shield and the glory and the lifter of my head. Thou, Lord, art a shield all about me. Now I want you to get a different picture of the shield of God. It's not a shield that holds in, you hold in front. It's a shield that surrounds you at all points. And when your head drops down, he lifts your head up because he wants you to understand something of his wisdom and his glory. Thou, O Lord, are my shield, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Thou, O Lord, are a shield all about me. So he says here, when you are blameless, what does that mean? Does that mean I've never done anything wrong? No, it means that I keep a clean account with God. God, hey, I blew it that time. Forgive me. I'm gonna, I want to stay blameless before you. Do you realize that every time you ask God, he's just forgiving you? That his blood continually cleanses you from all sin? That you never stand in judgment of God because you've been redeemed by his blood into his kingdom and his son as his daughter? Go on. For he guards the course of the just. Now think about this. You ever been on course and got off course? You see, you're, you're, you're flying one time, and, you know, you're, I was in a, in a small plane with a friend of mine, and, and, and he wasn't a very good pilot. He got off course. He couldn't find the runway. I mean, it was a disaster, from, but I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to make him nervous. I do not want this guy in worse shape than he is now. He was off course. If you fly off course one degree long enough, you will end up in the wrong place. And he, here's what he says. He says he guards the course. So you say, God, this is my course. He says, I'm going to guard it. When you get off, I'm going to push you back on course. I'm going to keep you on course. He's like autopilot. When you're walking with God, he's your autopilot. And you go, well, I'm starting to veer off. He says, no, don't, don't do that. I'm going to bring you back in here. You'll hear that still, small voice that sounds really loud when he speaks on the inside. Be still and know that I am God. I'm going to keep you on course. At the, in the end of the book of Jude, it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and cause you to stand upright, that's God. You see, when you entrust yourself to God, he says, I'm going to keep you on course. Look what else he says. And he protects the way of his faithful ones. I walk in faith. He says, I'm going to protect your way. Don't worry. What's out in front of me? Don't worry about what's in front of you. I'm in front of you. See, if God's, if God's your point lead on your life, you don't have to worry about what's in front. Well, I don't know what the future holds. Who cares what it holds? 
That's God's job, not my job. My job is to be faithful. My job is to be blameless. My job is to walk in him. My job is to stay on him and let him lead my path. Well, what about what's behind me? Don't worry about it. It says he's he's our rear guard. He walks behind you. He's in front of you. He walks behind you. He's your shield all about you. You're so safe, you don't even know it. You just worry. People worrying all the time, worried about this, worried about, I don't know what the world's coming to. It's going to hell. That's where it's going to. Why are you, why, what's the big shock? It's what the Bible says. I just don't know what's going to happen. Every generation has said it. Don't worry. We will survive as long as God wants us to. Well, I just think we should do something. Okay, go do something, but it's still going to last about the same length of time. Amen? You always want to pour good into the world. You always want to pull, put righteousness in the world and try to preserve everything you can. But keep in mind that ultimately all of our best efforts, you know, are going to be honored by the Lord and he's going to walk with us through them. And we got to do that. We need to do that. Okay, now, here's an interesting thing. The word time in the Hebrew is a word that is linked to the word invitation. This is really fascinating when you begin to study it because the word is linked to this word invitation, and the idea is the passage of time is an invitation to make the most of it and use it effectively. So when you read in the Hebrew Bible and it talks about time, it doesn't just say what time is it. It says, no, time, think about it, it's an invitation now to maximize that time in such a way that you get all the good out of that time. You manage it effectively, and what you do is when you have this wisdom that comes from God, now you have an accurate perception of time. I meet people all the time, and they always say this to me. I mean, it's like, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm just running out of time. I don't have time for any, busier than I've ever been. And then I'll stop and I'll say, you know, busyness is not an equation to achievement. We think we get busy and we're achieving something. We even say how busy we are and how tired we are like it's a noble act. How are you doing? I'm so busy. Like, that's not noble. That's disaster. Don't brag about being overworked and over busy. If you're smart as you think you are, you would be able to work more effectively and have more time. Come on. Right? Now, I know what's going to happen afterwards. Somebody's going to say, well, I'm really busy, and I go, and, oh, and then they'll catch themselves. You know what? That's what we want to do. We want to catch ourselves on things that are not wisdom speak. So let's go on and look at this a little deeper. God says, I am a shield for those who walk blameless. Immediately when I see that, it's a declaration. God is my shield. Sometimes you say, I don't even know what to pray. Pray scripture. You could pray this scripture right here. God, I want you to be my shield. I thank you, God, because I'm walking blameless before you. Look at the next one. God guards the course of the just. God, I just want you to guard my, the course of my life. I want you to keep me on track. I want to be just before you, Lord God. God protects the way of the faithful. God, I want to be faithful. Would you just protect my way so that nothing comes in the path? And what I'm doing is I'm living out Scripture. I'm praying. I know I'm praying the will of God because I'm praying Scripture. See how that works? All right, now look at this next thought. There are two kinds of wisdom. James says there's a wisdom from above and there's a wisdom from below. So there is earthly wisdom that has great value. But remember, what we want to do is not just be satisfied with earthly wisdom. We want to take the best of earthly wisdom, but we want to take all of the wisdom of God. Look what it says, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. I'm going to write this down. Look what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So who you trust in? 
Okay, so I'm going to trust in the Lord. And I'm going to use how much of my heart? All of my heart. That's a heart. Does it look like a heart? Huh? Okay. I'm not an artist. Don't get me wrong. Okay, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now look what it says. And lean not, lean not on your own understanding. So what the not in my life here is my understanding. It's not that I don't have understanding and use it. He says don't lean on it. Have you ever been tired you just had to lean on something? Take the weight off. I'm just like, oh, I'm tired. God says when you do that, if this table is, represents understanding, then you can't trust me. Because you're leaning on understanding, your own understanding. And as long as you lean on your own understanding, you're not going to be able to trust the Lord. Because it says here, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. Now watch this. When I'm trusting in the Lord, now look what it says. In all your ways, submit to him. I can't submit to God if I'm leaning on my own understanding. I have to break from my own understanding and say, wait a minute, I need a new perspective. I need a God perspective. And it says, in all your ways, submit to him. That means all your ways. That means you look at your personal life, your physical life, your spiritual life. You look at all these and say, what are the ways of my life? I'm going to trust you in all of those ways. Sometimes we don't want to be confused by facts. Have you ever noticed that? Some of you go ask people for advice, and then, they, then one of them is finally honest. And you won't listen to them. You know it's right, but you want something so bad that you will bypass wisdom to get your own way, then you get it and you're sorry you got it. When you lean on your own understanding, you are going to get in trouble eventually. But if you understand understanding, and we're going to talk about that in a minute, then you're going to have a better perspective on what to do. You see, in the Bible, there are three words in the book of Proverbs that are always used together. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Let's start with knowledge. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. We can get that from Google. We can get facts from Google. We can get facts from anywhere in the world. We get facts. So we get all, this, all these facts. We get knowledge. Now, understanding in the Hebrew means the separation and arrangement of facts. So you've got all these facts, but they're not all true. They're not all applicable. What you want to do is you want to say, I've got to separate them and arrange them in such a way that they make sense. Wisdom, then, is the application of knowledge and understanding to your situation. Got it? Okay, now look what it says. If you submit unto him, he will make your path straight. So let's talk about earthly wisdom for a moment. Earthly wisdom is temporal. That means it doesn't last forever. So we get wisdom, and we, we get this in, from different sources, and, but, but it's changeable. Some wisdom that we had, like, let's say 100 years ago, people say, well, this is wisdom, what wisdom says, earthly-wise. And we learn today that doesn't make sense. I was fascinated to learn it wasn't until uh, right around the time of World War I that surgeons washed their hands between surgeries. They didn't think there was any dirt inside or any problem inside when they were doing surgeries on the battlefield, and then all of a sudden they realized people are getting sick and they're dying from the surgeons. Well, you say, well, that's stupid. Not 100 years ago. 
that was earthly wisdom said we don't need to do that because there's no contamination there's no problem in there you see what wisdom that's earthly wisdom so it's temporal it's changeable and it's acquired we acquire wisdom your parents tell you something you go that's a good thought you know uh, and i'm going to hold on to that one and some your friends tell you that's that's really wise that's a good idea we read about people and, and they give us wisdom so it's acquired but let's talk about eternal wisdom for a moment and why it's different it's eternal when you get wisdom from god guess what it's going to last. It's going to be applicable in every situation. It's unchangeable. So God's wisdom never changes. You can just trust it all through generations. It's always going to be true. Sometimes the wisdom that they read and they, they lived out in the law in the Old Testament, it didn't make sense at the time. You see, sometimes God's wisdom doesn't make sense to you because you're not ready for it. For example, in the Old Testament, God said, don't eat pork. Sound like, you know, what, what's wrong? A baloney sandwich, a hot dog? Are you kidding me, God? This is, doesn't even seem fair. But you see, God knew that there was no way to preserve pork long enough without refrigeration that they wouldn't get sick. So he said, I'm just going to cut it out. Same thing he did with certain kinds of seafood, right? Because what, what so that doesn't make sense. I just want a lobster. Well, you see, you don't eat lobsters in the Old Testament because they didn't know how to care for it in such a way to keep you from getting sick. Okay. There's some things you're going to read in the Bible, and you're going to go, that doesn't make sense. But if it's in the Bible and God's giving you wisdom, take it and, and live with it because it will make sense eventually. Got it? All right. It's revealed. So the, the wisdom of man is acquired, but the wisdom of God is revealed. What God does is he will show you things. You're reading, go, wow, that makes sense. And he's speaking to you in your spirit, man. And so now you go, wow, I get it now. That is revealed wisdom. Let me take you to a revealed wisdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Here's what God says. He says, we speak wisdom. Okay, we speak out wisdom among those who are mature. Now, this doesn't have to do with chronological age. Mature has to do with an understanding of God and God's word. When God says, I'm going to speak wisdom to the mature, if you can receive it and understand it, it shows where you are on the spiritual ladder, so to speak that you've applied yourself with diligence, you've walked in the Spirit in such a way that you can hear and see what God is saying. He said, so I speak wisdom among those who are mature, not the wisdom of this age. This has nothing to do with earthly wisdom here. He says, I'm going to give you a dose of heavenly wisdom, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. So we look at the rulers, meaning kings, and we, we, we can look at titans of, of industry. We can look at all these people that are influencers, they rule certain dimensions, whether it's entertainment or some other area, and we say their wisdom is going to come to an end, just like they're going to come to an end, all right? But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. So sometimes you, you hear the wisdom of God, and you go, I don't really get it, and then eventually it kind of catches you off guard, and you go, wow, that was enlightening. Because wisdom, the word mysterion in, in the Greek language, is, means something that is hidden but only revealed at the right time or to the right person. So God can open your eyes up to wisdom through mysteries in the Scriptures. So it says here, look at this, the hidden wisdom of God which you ordained before the ages, look at it, for whose glory? Let's say it together. Just read this with me. God ordained we're going to say this, you're going to kind of say it with me. That's kind of how this works. Got it? All right. Okay. Which God ordained. Oh, 
We've we got to do remedial reading. Okay. What's going to happen is we're going to say it at exactly the same time. All right. So when I say God, you're going to say God. Ordained before the ages for our glory. Your glory. See what it says there? It's for your glory. God said this wisdom here wasn't for my glory. It was for your glory. You see, if you've got children, what you want is you want your children to do well. They're your glory. You look at them and go, I'm so proud of you. Look what you've done. It's a great thing you've done in your glory. And, then, and as you get older and older, you can look back and you go, look at the glory. And then you get, then you get grandchildren and they're, they're glorious. And, and you just keep seeing this glory come on. Guess what? You are the son and the daughter of the father who wants glory on you. I'm just so afraid of being proud. I'm so tired of hearing that. We got, we got pride is a bad thing in everybody's mind. It's not a bad thing if it's applied in the right situation and it doesn't drive your ego crazy, right? I, I mean, walk up to somebody, hey, I'm proud of you. Oh, don't you tell me that. I don't want to hear no proud out of me. I'm humble. You see how silly that sounds? God says, I've got something in mind for you. I've got some glory for you. I'm going to bless you, not only in this life, but in the life to come beyond all that you could ever imagine because I did this wisdom. I did this thing for you. And look what it says. It says, none of the rulers of this age knew anything about it. Nobody who's in this, in this operating on earthly wisdom understands it. It says, for had they known it, going back now to the time of Christ, it says, had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But guess what? The Bible says that the cross of Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God unto everyone who believes. You look at the earthly people, earthly wisdom looks at the cross and go, why would God allow his own son to die? Doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. There's zero on earthly wisdom makes sense. But once you have your eyes enlightened to it, you go, wait a minute, I get it. I get it. That's the wisdom of God. That is the wisdom of God. And guess what? It's for you. To those who overcome, will I grant to sit with me in heaven in my throne? That's in Revelation. You hear what he said? You're going to reign with him in heaven on his throne for eternity. What does that mean? I don't know. I just know what it says. Amen? All right, let's go on. Wisdom is practical. Look what it says here. Proverbs chapter 24. Through wisdom, a house is built. Now, a carpenter can build a house, but he says he's talking here about something a little deeper. He says here, because we want to we look through the surface. Through wisdom, a house is built. By understanding, it is established, and by knowledge, all the rooms are filled with present, pleasant riches. Okay, now, let's think about your life. Your house, your, your body, your temple is a house. He says, okay, you want to you get that house in order? It says here, wisdom is going to build it. Wisdom is going to build it, and look what else. Understanding will establish it. Once you get it built, you want the house to stay, right? You don't want the house to fall over. So understanding is going to, to, to bring about that, that idea of establishment, and by knowledge, you're going to decorate the rooms properly. 
So when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, guess what he's doing in the rooms of your heart? He's going, you know, this, help, this room over here needs a little bit of, a lot of clutter. We've got to clean some stuff out of it. See what's happening? God is taking this, your heart, and he's trying to, to move you in a direction. And it says, and a wise man is strong. Watch this. Yes, a man of knowledge increases in strength, for by wise counsel you will wage your own war. Do you know that you go to war with yourself every day? But you're fighting against yourself if you're not using the wisdom of God. When you begin to apply the fights in your head, like, I always fail. Is that true? Well, no, not really, but I feel some. Well, why would you say always fail? I mean, Josh said it well earlier. Why, why are we diminishing capacity for vision? Why do, we, why do we curse the ground we walk on? And here's what he's telling us here. He says, for by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there's safety. I'm amazed at how many people surround themselves with the people that give them the same advice over and over again and make the same mistakes over and over again. You know what that's called? Dumb and dumber. That is done work, right? You've got to get people who speak into you who can give you real wisdom because they will be your safety net. If you've got friends that tell you everything you do is great, get new friends. They're not, good. They're not your friends. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And you go out and do it, and it, it blows up. Oh, I know, but it would have worked. Then, then, then you got loser's limp. I'd have won, but, you know, I had a cramp in my foot, you know. I'd have won, but I had, had new shoes, and I got a blister. I'd have won, but I had old shoes. If I had new shoes, I would have won. And they've got loser's limp going on in every aspect of life. No, stop and go, wait a minute. I need somebody to be dead honest with me. Okay, you can't sing. No, you're not smart enough to be a doctor. Your acting is horrible. We're so afraid of hurting the, this, little, this little feeling thing. Hey, your feeling needs to be hurt so you get going in the right direction. Amen? Come on now. You know that's better than that. You know, my, it's like my pet peeve. Give every kid on the team a trophy. No, some of them didn't do anything. Some of them no good. Some of them played football need to go to baseball. Not everybody gets a trophy for doing nothing. Am I talking to somebody in this room? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, God says, I'm going to give you an eternal weight of glory. I'm going to give you, I'm going to bless you with crowns of glory one day, but I'm not going to do it just because you're my child. I'm going to do it because you do something with what I gave you. So guess what he does? He wake up one day and go, Thousands of years ago, wake up and go, I need a desk. First guy I'd ever conceived of a desk. And a chair would be nice too. God, give me a desk and a chair and God's quiet. He's sitting in a forest. He looks around. God, give me a desk and a, and a, and a chair. And he looks around and he looks into a tree and he goes, wait a minute. I think I just found my desk. I think I just found my chair. I need to cut that tree down. I need to make it into a desk, into a chair. Do you realize you're surrounded by a forest of opportunities? Desks and chairs are everywhere you go. You're asking for something God's already provided. He says, I gave you wisdom to see things that aren't there so that you can enjoy life and have a sense of fulfillment in all that you do in life. That's good. Even if I did say it, that's just good stuff. I'm proud of me for a moment, okay? In a good way. 
Be unique because you are. That fingerprint is a pathway to your soul. It's a reminder that God made you special. Be unique. Don't try to be like everybody else. You're a lousy copy, but you're a beautiful original. It's really interesting when you're I've been studying the brain uh, for a couple of months now, and one of the things they talk about is um, oral inscription. So what happens is when you, when you speak out loud, your mind can orally inscribe it on your brain better than when you just think about it. Because when you, when you talk out loud, when you speak to someone, you don't throw out random words, right? What you do is you put them in sentences, you put them in thoughts or phrases and blocks, and so that, that's how you communicate well. Well, what scientists have found is that thinking about a thought doesn't orally, doesn't inscribe it on your brain the same way that you orally inscribe it, because what it does when you say it out loud, it gives order to your thoughts, it allows your spirit man to hear out there what's going on, and the oral language always requires chronology, so you've got to have a chronology tied to it. That's why when you pray, you pray out loud. When you pray quietly, you're simply meditating and contemplating. Ever notice how many times Jesus said, speak out loud? You see, meditation is important, right? But that's not in my mind. I know there's always one person that's going to argue with me on this one. But I still believe it. When you pray, you pray out loud. When you pray quietly, you meditate. When God wants you to see, see miracles in your life, he tells you to speak them. Imagine this scripture. If you see that mountain, think in your head and it will be moved and cast into the sea. Not what he said. What did he say? Speak to the mountain. Speak. Why? Because I created the heavens and the earth with speech. God said, let there be and there was. Speak. So, third thing, ask questions. Ask questions. This is the practical side of it. Ask questions until you understand the answers that you're looking for. Ask the right questions. The greatest question you could ask is, what must I do to be saved? How can I know God? That's the greatest question on earth. Once you get the answer to that one and it becomes a part of your life, you are a walking, moving container of God's wisdom. And guess what? You don't have to be perfect to know God. He's perfect, you're not but he loves you imperfect and he changes you little by little. So when you come to God and you pray, I say, if, you, if you're not, if you have any doubt about your salvation, then I want you just to think about this prayer. It'd go like this, dear Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, the just for the unjust. I believe you were buried in a tomb, considered dead by all, but you rose from the dead and you brought life forth that when I put my faith and my trust in you, then I come to know you as, your, as my Savior and as my Lord. Save me, Lord Jesus. That's the faith, that's the words that you speak to come to faith in Christ. I want you to stand with me right now. We're gonna, we're gonna give you an opportunity just to, to begin to move into this area of wisdom right now. If that was your prayer today, if, if you just, you prayed that prayer that I just gave you. You just came to faith in Christ today. You just slip your hand up. Just slip it up. Just. Anybody else? Amen. Anybody else? God bless you guys. Amen. Okay. If you say, I, Pastor, I know the Lord. Okay. 
Do you know wisdom? Are you operating in wisdom? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing the chorus of this song. And as we do, I want you to speak out wisdom to God, what you're looking for. You say, God, I need wisdom. Just, and so the song's going on, and you're going, Lord, I just need your wisdom. God, I need your power. God, would you work in this situation? Would you work in that situation? Because what you want to do is you want to start getting it out there in a worship setting to where there's power. You know, the Bible says if, if, if two or more of you gathered, I'm there in the midst. That means that he intensifies his presence with people.